You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the show tonight, chef and nutritionist Sid Sheehan from Nourished by Nature in Listowel, County Kerry will be joining me in the studio. There's a preview of the April issue of Easy Food magazine to look forward to. I'm out and about and pay a visit to Ballyhoura Apple Farm in County Limerick. And finally, at the end of the show, Ken Mare foodie Karen Coakley will be on the phone to tantalise our taste buds by sharing one of her fantastic recipes. If you'd like to get in touch with me, please drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. And now it's time to welcome chef and nutritionist Sid Sheehan into the best possible taste studio. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sid, welcome back to the studio. Thanks a million. A very interesting subject tonight and something that I think a lot of people will will be very interested in because it's it's um, cancer-fighting foods and there's very few families out there that haven't been affected by cancer in some shape or form. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, I think everybody in this country will have been touched by it at some stage, whether it's a family member, a friend, but I'm sure if you speak to any Irish person, they will have um, some encounter with, with cancer. And you do have some frightening statistics for us. Yeah, we have a few statistics on it. Um, Currently in Ireland, it's uh, it's estimated that one in three people is likely to develop cancer of some description at some stage in their life. That is pretty shocking. One in three. Well, that's, you know, say there's three of us here. Yeah. Like that's, so um, at yeah, some stage, it unfortunately, is very scary, yeah. um, 70% of these cancers could be prevented by lifestyle changes. Really? Um, when I say lifestyle changes, okay, there is big ones like smoking, which is directly linked and there is no denying it. Mm-hmm. But I think there is so much awareness there now. Um, it's always on TV, every paper, every magazine, on the side of a bus, on billboards, every packet of cigarettes. It's there in front of you. So there's really kind of hardcore images to drive home how dangerous it is. It would be nice to see the foods that are really unhealthy and kind of cancer promoting foods. It would be nice to see images like that on those foods to put people off. But I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, so of that 70% that could be prevented through lifestyle, 40% of that is preventable through diet by correcting our diet. So we're just going to look at some of the causes. Um, like that, I think everybody knows about the consumption of alcohol, um, smoking. They're all fairly obvious ones. But when it comes to our diet, what is actually going on underneath underneath the surface and back down to a cellular, le- cellular level? So what's happening inside in our body? Basically, all the cells in our body, they're constantly multiplying, replicating. Um, we're always building new cells, building new blood cells. It's just a normal process in the human body. Now, if this process is disrupted, then what happens is these cells, they will proliferate or they will just go wild and kind of snowball out of control. So, and this happens at random. When this happens, ideally, our immune system, um, I kind of compare it, do you remember the old video game uh, Pac-Man? Yes. So it would go around and gobble up the the baddies or whatever they were in the game. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit like that. So our immune system should go around and gobble up all these bad cells that have taken off at random. But when it gets out of control a little bit too much, um, it can no longer, it can only gobble up so many at a time. So some of them escape this um, surveillance, we'll call it. And they 
actually they will start to damage healthy body tissue and that is where cancer cells start to originate in the body um, what can we do then or you know like I said if if some of them escape they will develop into a tumour eventually and then these tumours can break up, they can disperse, travel through our bloodstream, our lymphatic system and they can promote more growths and more tumours throughout the body. So that's how cancer can kind of originate in the body and spread throughout the body pretty rapidly as well. Um, now, what causes these, this disruption to the cells in our body? We'll all have heard of free radicals or free radical damage. So what exactly is it? Again, it's always linked with smoking. That's a fairly obvious one. Um, some of it, we can't, um, we can't escape it because even if you eat really clean, if you don't smoke, if you have a very, very healthy lifestyle, just walking down the street, uh, inhaling fumes from an exhaust, that is all free radical damage. But a lot of it is uh, controllable through diet and the choices that we make. So we'll just look at how to eliminate or reduce this free radical damage, that can be done through antioxidants. So it's a, another fairly, uh, a term that we're all fairly familiar with. So what are antioxidants? And they're contained in, in lots of foods, good foods. Yeah. So primarily you will get these from your diet. A lot of people will choose to supplement with antioxidants as well, which is good. Um, but ideally, I'm always saying to people, when it comes to supplements, they are a supplement. They are not a substitute. Mm -hmm. So you do need to have a healthy diet and maybe take them then with that as well, um, just to complement your healthy diet. So the green tea, it's a, a great antioxidant, is that right? Yeah, there are a few out there that are really powerful ones. Um, a lot of herbal teas are really good, green tea in particular. Um, one of the ones that we're going to kind of look at tonight, and I actually have a recipe as well um, using it, is beetroot. Beetroot is one of those foods, it's probably one of the highest natural um, forms of antioxidants. So we need to get it into our diet as much as possible. Now, whenever we're talking about these and their cancer-fighting foods, are we talking about prevention of cancer and if you have cancer that it can help you yeah. kind of fight the cancer or is it a case of, you know, enjoy these now and hopefully you won't get cancer? Well, I think ideally um, diet is used or should be used as a preventative medicine. Um, but certainly, even if you are going through cancer, if you're getting over it and you're trying to recover or your body needs to boost itself and recover, incorporate all of these foods in. So you would be, it would be pretty same protocol for preventing cancer and recovery as well. Okay. Um, so we're just going to look at some of the foods, some of the do's and don'ts, um, what people should be doing if at a young age. And again, if you can start this with young kids, you know, all the better. Maintain a healthy body weight. Um, if we have excess sugar in our diet, sugar is linked to an awful lot of cancers. Um, sugar is going to promote overweight and eventually obesity. And you will see there are statistics out there that... Uh, obesity rates are linked as well as cardiovascular disease. They're directly linked with cancers as well. I was at the the Western Price Foundation conference in February, at the start of February, and one of the one of the speakers there is a cancer survivor, and she was very much about diet. And one of the things that stuck with me was that she would have said that sugar just love cancer loves sugar it just thrives in sugar yeah it absolutely does it feeds off of it um so what you want to do is starve starve the cancer of what it loves mm -hmm. so reduce sugar get away from refined 
white sugar. There is no goodness in there. Um, I think everybody's rec- in recent months saw the programme on, on national TV, The Sugar Crash. If you haven't seen it, find it and watch it. Put aside an hour to watch it. Um, it is frightening, but at the same time, it's not scaremongering. They're the, the bare facts of what sugar actually will do to a human body. Okay. So we don't really need very much of it in there. Certainly, we don't need the amount that we're consuming on a daily basis. So that's one to definitely avoid that is sugar. Without a doubt, probably one of the main ones. Um, we're not going to dwell on the smoking thing because I think everybody knows mm-hmm. that um, it's just bad. So look, some of the don't smoke, eat less than 80 to 100 grams of red meat a day. Um, again, I think in recent months, um, there was pro- or late last year, there was a bit of scaremongering by the media when it came to red meat. Basically, if you eat red meat, you will get colorectal cancer. That's It was, you know... I was taken out of context a little bit. Um, if you eat a little bit of red meat, it's not going to give you colorectal cancer. If you choose to eat a pound of really low-quality sausages that are pumped with chemicals, and if you're going to eat those seven days a week for 20 years, then, yes, you can expect your body to react and your chance or your risk of developing cancer is going to be increased. Um, so cut down on red meat as much as you can. Aim for 80 to 100, no more than 100 grams per day. Um, that's still plenty. That's four ounces of meat. So we're going to look at then eliminating processed and refined foods. So these are the ones with very little nutrition in them again. Uh, so takeaways, frozen ready meals, all the usual kind of suspects. So increase whole foods. These are the ones that we want to get in there. Fruit, veg, nuts, seeds, uh, just good, clean eating. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best way um, uh, to use as a preventative and for recovery as well. So those are the things we should be avoiding and those are the things that we should be eating. Yeah. Increase uh, fibre as well. It's probably a really important one. Uh, that will actually flush, flush out the carcinogens out of your body. And you have a nice recipe then to share with us, which is very nutritious, tasty, This healthy. is a really good one. Um, try it out. Don't be put off by it. Uh, it contains primarily beetroot. Uh, I think, again, Irish people associate beetroot with the pickle stuff in the jar that we were force-fed as kids. Beetroot is really, really good and really nutritious. So this is a beetroot, walnut and feta burger. You can, add, you can add in a little bit of meat into it if you want to give it a bit more flavour. I've done it as, as I'm going to give out now. I've also added in just a little bit of chorizo just for that extra bit of flavour. Um, but try it, out, try it out the vegetarian version of it first. So give us the ingredients there. What goes into it? Okay, so what we're looking at is 400 grams of raw beetroot. Now, when you say raw beetroot... It's not the vacuum-packed beetroot? No. so the vacuum-packed one is already boiled and peeled. So okay. a lot of the goodness would have been taken out of that. So go with just the raw beetroot. You'll, all supermarkets are carrying it now. You'll get a bunch of it. looks like um, little mini turnips, a bit darker and a little root hanging off of them. So 400 grams of that. Um, four spring onions, finely chopped. 100 grams of any hard cheese, so maybe a good quality cheddar, maybe something like a parmesan. Um, 100 grams of feta cheese, just crumbled up. 150 grams of toasted walnuts. So walnuts, you can use almonds if you don't like walnuts, but when, I think when you toast the, the walnuts, it changes the flavour of the menu. And you just do that in the frying pan, heat a frying pan and just throw dr- them in and, yeah, and give a them a bit of a dry frying pan underneath the grill or inside the oven if you have the oven on. Just keep uh, an eye on them. Yeah, they don't take that long. Uh, they will actually burn pretty quickly, so keep an eye on them. Um, 150 grams of breadcrumbs. Again, if you can go for wholemeal breadcrumbs made out of brown bread rather than white, 
white breadcrumbs. Could you go, sorry, Sid, could you go for pine nuts instead of walnuts or would they not have the same nutritional value? It probably wouldn't be as good because there's a huge fat content in pine nuts. Okay. No, they're really tasty and it is a good fat, but we want to kind of cut down on the amount of fat at the same time. Okay. So walnuts probably would be a healthier option. Um, you're going to use the juice of half a lemon, um, a small bunch of fresh mint, um, maybe or whatever herb you like. Coriander is a really good one as, as well as anti-cancer fighting properties in most fresh herbs. So mint works well with this, but again, it's going to be your own personal taste. See what you like yourself. Um, the optional one that I said that you can put in is maybe about 70 or 80 grams of chorizo. So just peel it down, peel the white kind of skin off of it and chop it up really finely. And you don't want to be going for a very high quality chorizo because it's very processed. Yeah, a lot of chorizo is very processed. So if you are going up for something like that, try not to get the one, you know, for a euro or whatever it is, because there are very little goodness inside in that. Go for a good one. Maybe pick one up at a farmer's market or something like that. And it will last in the fridge. You don't need to use it all in one go. Um, a small amount of it because it's packed with flavours. So um, just a little bit of it goes a long way. So do you mix all those ingredients together? Do you have to cook anything beforehand? Okay, so we'll just run through the method. Um, preheat your oven to about 200 Celsius or gas mark 6. Scrub and grate the beetroot. There's no need to peel it once you give it a good wash. Um, heat a little bit of oil, so I'd be opting to use maybe coconut oil or rapeseed oil. Um, heat a little bit of oil in a heavy pan. Fry the grated beetroot and the spring onion together for three to four minutes. Um, you can transfer the beetroot into a bowl, add in the grated cheese, the crumbled feta, the chopped walnuts, your wholemeal breadcrumbs, um, your chorizo if you decide to use it, the mint, the lemon juice. Something else you can add in there is a teaspoon of chili if you like a bit of spice in the food. Chili is really good as well for, um, for as a preventative for cancer and a teaspoon of ground turmeric. It's an anti-inflammatory. So it's another really good one to get in. Mix everything together with your hands, season it well with salt and pepper, and just divide the mixture into maybe about six burgers. Um, compact it with your hands, shape it into a burger shape, and line a baking tray with parchment paper. So there's no need to fry these burgers or anything. Line it with a little bit of parchment paper and pop them into the oven for about 25 minutes. So you're not really cooking any, there's nothing in there that needs to be cooked through. There's no raw meat or anything like that. Uh, you can turn them halfway through if you like, just so there's a nice even around them. They sound lovely. They're really nice, really nutritious, really filling. So yeah. they definitely want to try out. Yeah, I like all those ingredients now. So yeah, that's, that sounds nice. I must get that recipe now. So I'm actually going to pop that up on the website, um, which is nourishedbynature.ie. And we'll get it up on the Facebook page as well. So if you want to follow us on Facebook, it's Nourished by Nature Listol. And you're actually having a class in a few weeks time on Tuesday, the 5th of April. Tell us about that. Okay, so this class, it's an evening class for from 7 to 9.30, uh, Tuesday the 5th, and it's specifically for cancer-fighting foods. So it's a really good one. Um, you learn lots of useful tips, all the recipes, they're user-friendly, it's nice, easy stuff to do, and at the same time, really, really healthy and nutritious. Okay, great. Well, listen, thanks for sharing that all with us this evening. You will be back next month, and you're going to be talking about gluten-free because National Celiac Week is coming up in a couple of months' time, right. so you're going to get the listeners ready yeah, for that. Yeah, we're going to concentrate on that one. Fantastic. Great to see you. Thanks. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Great to have Sid in the studio. And if you have a nutrition related query that you think Sid could help with, please email me the details to s.noonan at live.ie so I can pass it on.
And still to come tonight, I pay a visit to Ballyhower Apple Farm in County Limerick and Kenmare foodie Karen Coakley will be on the phone to share one of her mouth-watering recipes. Before that, it's time for a preview of the April issue of Easy Food magazine with Caroline Gray. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Caroline, great to have you back on the show this evening. And tonight we're going to talk about the April issue of Easy Food magazine, which is due out on the 1st of April. So we've about 10 days to hang on before we see it. And this month, tell us who the guest editor is. For our April issue, we have Sophie Morris as the guest editor. So you might remember her from um, her cookie dough range called uh, Cookie Dough. And she also released um, a really great cookbook called Sophie Cooks. Can we expect to see some cookie recipes in this month's magazine then? (laughs) There are definitely some nice sweet treat recipes. So all of her recipes and kind of the theme of the April issue is just really simple, easy home cooking. So she has some truly fabulous desserts that I've tried a few of them myself and they're unreal. So yeah, we might sneak a few cookie recipes in there too. <laughs> Give us a few examples just to make our mouths water as to oh, the, the yeah. type of desserts we can expect. Well, let's see. She has one in particular that I absolutely love. It's this um, caramelized bananas recipe. And the best thing about it is it's truly perfect for a weeknight dessert because it's ready in nearly like less than 10 minutes. Um, it's, you know, you feel like not as weighed down, especially because it's fruit and a bit of sweetness there with some caramel and apples and um there's also she serves it with some nice vanilla ice cream. So that's one of um, Sophie's really nice desserts. Um, and then throughout the issue, we have some, um, let's see, we have kind of some healthy baked treats, actually. So the best thing about it is, like, you don't really feel um, as guilty again because there's some nice breads and cakes and muffins. Um, but, you know, we're cutting down on a lot of the um, excess added sugar and added fats. So it's something that you know, it's actually great to pop into a kid's lunchbox as well. Um, let's see what else we have. Well, now, one of my favorite features in this issue, we kind of have a decadent desserts. So what we have in there, we have some absolutely gorgeous macaroons um, and really nice creme brulee. So sort of those show-stopping desserts that, say, if you're having friends over or a nice little dinner party, these are the ones you kind of want to wheel out because everybody is going to just be so impressed. Now, it sounds like you have a bit of a sweet tooth, Caroline. I do. Oh, I do, definitely. Um, you know, it's one of the great things about Easy Food is that there's always a range of sweet and sugary options in the issue. So, um, you know, kind of as we're going through, we make sure that there's a really good balance of, you know, easy weeknight dinners and some nice weeknight cooking and weekend dishes to make, you know, when you have a little bit more time. But then as well, there's always something sweet to indulge yourself with. And the nice thing about that as well is it can be something like these, these really decadent desserts, or it can be something, you know, totally guilt-free, just something that's nice to treat yourself with. But um, I always like to make sure there's some nice things for uh, the other people that have a sweet tooth like myself. The magazine always has great suppers that are maybe quick and easy to make. Mm, yeah, definitely. That's, um, you know, that's really the basis and it's the ethos of easy food. We want to always be answering that question of, what's for dinner tonight. So we always have the weekly menu planner, and um, that's really a great uh, weeknight dinner for you know Monday through Sunday. Um, and then in this issue as well, what we're, we have this really great feature on make-ahead dinner. So it's something that you, know, you can kind of prep the night before. If it's on a Sunday, you can make a few bits, get that into the freezer, so that when you come home, 
the weeknights you don't have as much time, you can kind of just pop it into the oven or you have something that's really ready to cook um, for the family so nobody's waiting around and getting hungry. Uh, and as well, we know from our readers that without a doubt, the number one meat people are buying is chicken. Um, you know, we always include a range of different meats for people, but um, our readers are always looking for new ideas to use chicken. So um, in the April issue, we have a really cool feature where, you know, say if you were to make a roast chicken, uh, we have a bunch of recipes to use the different bits up if you do end up with leftovers. I know in my house, uh, we tend to finish the whole chicken, but, um, you know, sometimes if you have a little bit of the leftover breast meat or the thigh meat or even the wings, um, you know, there's really great meal options you can turn those leftovers into so that you're not wasting any money, you're not wasting any food, and you're kind of expanding your recipe repertoire as well. And getting the most for your money. Exactly. That's the main thing. You want to make sure that when you're doing your shop for the week that you're actually using all those bits up and you're not really throwing anything in the bin. Because one of the things you can do with the carcass is to make your stock out of it. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of those things, you know, especially just with the, um, you know, the chicken carcass and any leftover bits from the roast, you know, and throwing a few vegetables. You have a really great homemade chicken stock and you can freeze that. You can keep it for tons of sauces or if you were to make your own chicken soup. Um, And the great thing about homemade chicken stock like that is that you can really monitor, uh, say, the salt content because that's something some people could be concerned about with um, store-bought stocks. And of course, there's nothing better for you than than broth and bone broth. It's very topical at the moment. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, like we were saying about that before, it's good for you and it's economical. So, kind of best of both worlds isn't it well soup is such a great dish and you have some soup recipes then in the kids section of the magazine we do with our um kids section there we're really making sure that we teach kids kind of like the basics of cooking and some of the recipes that you can really you know again add to your repertoire and then such you're going to always be able to build upon and use for your own family kind of when you get to that stage so in our home economics section Um, One of our teachers from the Home Ec Association is giving us some tips and pointers on always making really flavorsome soups and as well that are going to be good for the family, nice and wholesome. Great. And some turkey and vegetable skewers there? Oh, yes, definitely. Those are, you know, we have a step-by-step recipe for um, little cooks. So it's something that they can tear out this section from every issue and keep in their own little binders. And um, in this issue, we have these really delicious turkey and veg skewers. And I have to say, I know they're meant for, um, you know, little kilks, but they absolutely flew off the plate in the test kitchen when we made them in the office. They are so delicious. Well, I know my four-year-old loves to make the fruit kebabs, and it's a great way of getting fruit into her. She's not interested in fruit, really, except when she's threading it onto a wooden skewer and then taking it off to eat it. That's it. I mean, kids, it's it's really remarkable, you know, it, when you kind of just take that little extra step to make their lunch, you know, a bit more fun and a bit more interactive, whether it's fruit or maybe, say, cutting sandwiches or vegetables into fun shapes or kind of like these, you know, turkey and veg skewers, um, just kind of adding a little bit of play to it nearly, it gets them so much more interested in their lunch. And that's a great way of, like, you know, you know, sneaking kind of healthier and more wholesome things into that packed lunch. Cooking skills is also something that you usually address in there and this month or and in April you have kids' basic kitchen skills as well as some for the grown-ups. Exactly. Yep. So, you know, back with um, the kids' cooking skills, we want to make sure that, you know, these are recipes that 
um, you know, just really basic ones that they can build upon and that they're going to be really comfortable when they get into kitchens as they grow older. So we have a few basic skills for kids, you know, things like kind of mastering safe um, knife skills or working around hobs or even just kind of keeping your workspace clean. So we've incorporated some recipes into that feature that are good ways to sort of develop those skills for kids. And then in our section from uh, that we call From Our Kitchen to Yours, we have uh, just typically like, you know, tons of kind of handy kitchen tips, you know, getting to know different utensils and different spices. And, um, and then we have a special section here on just really taking the best care of your fridge and freezer. I mean, I know that's one thing it can almost tend to get neglected, but there's, it's so important to keep these in really tip-top shape. And just with a little bit of maintenance here and there, um, you can kind of extend the longevity and the lifespan of your fridge and freezer. And every month you always have some wonderful competitions. So can you give us a, a sneak peek of what we can expect in April? Oh, of course. Yeah, sure. I mean, the April issue is just jam-packed with uh, competitions. Again, we have a really gorgeous luxury hamper from the Burn Smokehouse. So some really nice products in that and then of course a little nice triple way that people can win as well a little b&b and a uh, night away with a nice breakfast in the morning as well so you have to pick up the issue to kind of get some more information on that absolutely sounds fabulous so that is the april issue of easy food magazine it will be on the shelves from the first of april if so we'll have to be patient and hang on until then caroline great to talk to you as always thanks so much sharon You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. So far on the show tonight, we've heard about cancer-fighting foods from chef and nutritionist Sid Sheehan, and we've got a preview of what to expect in the April issue of Easy Food magazine. Don't forget, if you missed any of the show so far, it will be up in the podcast later in the week, and you'll find it on soundcloud.com forward slash food-and-drink-show or subscribe free of charge and download it on iTunes or use the podcast app. We still have a recipe with Kenmare foodie Karen Coakley to look forward to but before that I'm out and about and call to the award-winning Ballyhoura Apple Farm in County Limerick. Cheers. Chin chin. Salud. Schleinte. Morris, you recently opened the Ballyhoura Artisan Food Park, but before you came here, you were in church time. That's right. We planted our orchards in 2006, 2007, and we planted 4,500 trees in church town. Um, but through a strange series of events, um, two years ago, we decided to move the orchard, lock, stock and barrel, to Kilfinnan. That must have been a huge risk. It was a risk, but I suppose it was a calculated risk in that um, we worked it out and financially, if we had 40% success rate, it would have paid us to do the move rather than replanting the orchard in Kilfinnan. Um, and in actual fact, it worked out that we had 95% success rate on it. Oh, and tell us about the trees. What sort of apples do they grow? Well, we, they're juicy apples. They're mainly Dutch varieties, but obviously grown, grown in Ireland. But they are trees that grow to kind of two, two and a half metres high because everything has to be hand-picked for apple juice because there is a bacteria that causes apples to fall 
And if there are two apples on the ground, you don't know which one has the bacteria. So everything is handpicked for apple juice. The timing then must be very important that you get there to pick them just as they're ripe, but not ripe enough to to fall, as you say. It is, yeah. The timing is pretty important. But um, I suppose we have eight or nine different varieties and they they come in kind of every fortnight from mid-August. So we're not picking everything together. So we just have kind of a couple of hundred trees at a time and it's it's manageable. Once you have them picked then, tell us what is the next step in the process? Well, the next step, we, we grade the apples. Um, they're picked, put into big bins and I didn't take them to care. Um, in care, um, they're pressed, bottled and labelled and then we add whatever um, flavourings we want to add, like our beetroot, parsnip and... Um, bottles then we distribute and sell the bottles then ourselves. Yeah as I look around there is a very extensive range here on display but you obviously started with just apple juice. We did we started in 2009-2010 with just plain apple juice. Um, we were lucky that we got into the market in Mahan Point and we just started off with apples and a few bottles of apple juice. We developed then an apple and blackcurrant juice. Um, from that Following on, the, the first year was pretty good during the summertime, but coming on October, November, the sale of the apple juice was dying away. And I said, you know, we have to do something to try and keep things ticking over for the winter. So we came up with a recipe for mulled apple juice. Um, that went quite well. We used to make it in saucepans, sell it off the stall, and continually people were saying, you know, you should bottle it. Um, eventually in 2010 we bottled it took it to Blossom Hair and then got silver for best new product and that's not the only award that you've got because I see lots of labels and lots of different products here great taste awards Blossom Hair well um, I suppose following on that we, we took two products in 2010 to the Blossom Hair and we got silver for both products um, following on that we have received awards almost every year at Blossom Hair um, right up to this year, we got gold for our latest product, which is Hot Frisky. Well, tell us about that. That sounds interesting. Well, the Hot Frisky is a blend of apple um, with green tea, black pepper and a blend of spices. And we call it Gilbert Murphy's um, Hot Frisky. We took it to the IFE in um, March of this year to an exhibition, an export exhibition in London. There were 5,000 products from... Um, 150 countries worldwide and um, we got in the top 100 products so we were very proud of that we then took it to Bloss and got gold for it at Bloss and Hearn so it's it's a good product How important are awards like that to you? Like why do you decide to enter your products into them? Well I suppose it's it's um, it's an achievement when you're recognised by the industry because you know it's grand for the public to like products and to continually come back and buy your products. But when you get these awards and you're recognised by the industry, um, especially when you're starting off, it's, it's, quite, it's quite good. And even we'll say we see it going to the supermarkets. You know, if you have awards, you know, they, they, they stand back and they look at it, you know. Recently, I was in Dublin. I met a man who distributes only Great Taste Awards. And uh, I was telling him about our success at Great Taste and he was, he was um, quite impressed we took 10 products to the Great Taste Awards in 2013 and we received seven goals. Wow, that's a huge achievement. Yeah, 
Yeah, he was he was quite he was quite amazed by it, and um, he has been dealing with producers in Ireland and England for the last number of years. Well, you mentioned supermarkets there, and you do work quite closely with SuperValue, and you've been on their academy recently. That's right. Um, last year we got on the SuperValue Food Academy, and uh, we were lucky to be picked through some courses we did with the local Leo, and um, we got on the Food Academy. They started us with some local supermarkets. And um, eventually, last year, we were in 60 Super Values in the Munster area. Um, we were then picked for the Advanced Food Academy this year, which we're partaking in at the moment. And if that goes well, they'll release some more Super Values just then nationwide. What does the ca- Academy consist of? Like, what do you, it sounds like it's, there's a lot of education there and a lot of schooling, so you come away with a lot more knowledge and expertise. Well, there is. Um, I suppose it's not so much based around your product as based around your ability to um, supply, um, your distribution network, um, generally getting the stuff into shops, getting tastings, your finances. You know, they go through everything with you. They basically take you through all the steps of business and see your weaknesses, see your strength and point them out to you. And it's up to you then to, to deal with them. I have heard in the past about a small producer who perhaps does win an award. The next thing they get a huge order from one particular buyer and they they find it quite difficult to meet the demand. They have to invest in new facilities and upscale their production and then the, maybe the momentum isn't maintained. Yes, um, it's something that I was very much aware of for the last number of years and it's something that was said to me a long, long time ago and it stuck in my head that um, you must be ready for success and you must be ready financially, you must be ready mentally and you must be ready physically with um, your, your, your stock and your product needs to be in the right place because there's no point in... These opportunities only come around once and you must be ready to grasp the opportunity when it does come. Um, a number of years ago, um, it was said to me on a course, you know, you have your apple juice, you have it labelled, it's looking good, you've got your award for it, um, why don't you put it into the supermarkets? And I recognised myself at that stage that I wasn't ready. I didn't have a facility large enough that if somebody pressed the button and said, we want 50,000 bottles, that I could automatically do that. Um, we are now in a position, I think, where we're, we're ready to expand. At a rate, again, at a rate. And this is the value of the Food Academy, that you're not given all the super values. There are 220 super values in Ireland. They start off with local. We got Cork and Limerick, first of all. Then we got Kerry and Clare. And then they extended it to all of Munster. And things are reviewed then before you, you move on to Connacht or Leinster or, or hit the Dublin stores, which is a good, a good method. Um, because you're, you're not thrown in completely at the deep end because the whole thing is a learning curve. And you spend a lot of time going out and about yourself to do tastings in supermarkets and at festivals and different events. Yeah, we've, we've spent the last, I suppose I've spent the last five years um, earning my living at going to events, um, markets and food fairs um, up and down the country. Just getting the brand known, getting the feedback on the products and um, it, it is the best learning of all is to connect with other producers because that you will learn more from that than you will from any book or from any um, courses that you go on. It's other producers and other producers' experiences that are 
one of the biggest things, I think. And meeting customers must be a great way to get feedback as well, like the product range, the way it has grown, the different flavours. Like, how do you come up with the ideas of, like, you've some, I think there's parsnips in it. Yes. Apple, I'm looking at apple snip juice there. Is there parsnips in that? There is. There's parsnips in that. Um, I suppose it was following on the mulled apple juice, um, the first spring that we were kind of operating. Again, the mulled apple juice had died away. It wasn't quite time for the regular apple juice. And we started doing uh, an apple and beetroot juice. Beetroot juice is very good for you, but it should always be blended with a juice that's high in vitamin C. So therefore, we put it with our apple juice. And again, you know, that was one of the ones we got a great taste award for. Following on that, um, the apple parsnip. Parsnip I used in a recipe for sweetening apples, um, a sugar-free apple pie. And it worked quite well. And I said, you know, if it works in the pie, it should work in the juice. So again, that one we took. And we used to call it apple parsnip. Now we call it apple snips. Do you do a bit of cooking yourself? I do. I do a little bit of cooking as well. So you bring I, that I enjoy in. Cooking. You bring yeah. that in to the to, I, to work with you then. Yeah. So, but some of the ideas, some of the ideas, I, I don't know. I just don't know where they come from. But they seem to come to me. You know, I just get these these weird ideas at times. What is the most popular? Does the is the apple juice still the most popular, or has it been overtaken by another range? Well, plain plain apple juice is quite popular all the time. Um, the hot frisky is very popular. The mulled apple juice at Christmas time. Um, we do one called fruit juice, which is a blend of fruit and root veg. And it's apple, blackcurrant, with carrot, parsnip and beetroot. That one is very, very popular with the kids. That's fruit as an F-R-O-O-T. F-R-O-O-T, yes. Very good, yeah. That's a great way to get all those vitamins into children. Well, it is. It's giving, it's, I suppose it's introducing them to um, vegetables in a nice way. Whereas if you put beetroot or parsnip in front of a child, you know, they'll say, oh. <laughs> of course, yeah. won't be very fond of it whereas if they have drank the fruit juice and you explain to them you know there's carrot parsnip and beetroot in this um, you know they might be a bit, look a bit more favourably than on the veg when they get it it must be very challenging to be constantly innovating coming up with different variations can we expect to see anything new in the range this year well there is we have we have quite a quite a few things in the pipeline because we have launched our um, our raw apple cider vinegar into the super values in the last few weeks and it is hugely successful. Now this is a very interesting product. Tell us a bit more about it. Well the raw side of vinegar basically has been around for the last couple of hundred, couple of thousand years and it can be used everything from muscular pain to acne to spots to suppressing the appetite, um, sunburn, cleaning worktops. It's a, a, a completely versatile product. And like it was something that was like a, um, a first aid kit, I suppose, in a bottle in every North American house for hundreds of years. Um, and it's, it's getting somewhat of a revival. And it's, um, it's our, our particular blend of it is going very well for us at the moment and getting a lot of press and getting a lot of, um, a lot of positive reaction. Now, when it comes to drinking it, how do you recommend a person to exit? Well, generally, it was always recommended that you would have it with um, a couple of spoons of honey and a couple of spoons of cider vinegar in a glass of warm water. Um, but we find that it's a problem with a lot of people that they don't like the taste. But we have um, done our own bit of research here and we find the either our apple chai or the hot frisky that if you put a couple of spoons in that, it masks it very well. So it makes it quite, quite palatable, quite easy to take. 
Okay. Well, if it's an appetite suppressant, I'd say I need to be taking it a bit more <laughs> regularly. <laughs> no, it's working very well for us. And we, we recently received um, an innovation voucher from Enterprise Ireland. And we have um, a number of sweet cider, cider vinegars that we have been working on for a while. And um, we're, we're just having a, a bit more research and a bit more work done on those. And hopefully we'll be following on our raw cider vinegar with a sweet cider vinegar that will be drinkable. And you're a very busy man, it has to be said, and you're developing a way here in Kilfinnan with the Ballyhoura Artisan Food Park. Tell us what people can expect when they come to visit the, the park. Well, I suppose we're, we're only in our infancy. We've only been here for a couple of months. And, um, you know, I think we have the place reasonably presentable that people can come in now, have a cup of coffee, sample of our juices. We, we're doing our distribution out of here at the moment. We're hoping to start a bit of production in vinegar, syrups and on that line. Uh, we'll still keep our, our main bottling, um, outsourcing that. We, we're hoping to run um, a monthly market here on Friday afternoons that um, hopefully will bring in some of the locals while the kids are at the disco in the, the old church next door, um, that the parents can come in and enjoy the market and a little bit of food here. Um, we're looking at putting a little bandstand in so we'd have a bit of music going here. Um, we've, we've a lot of things in, in the pipeline for here, but obviously they're going to take a little bit of time. We're also hoping that if we can develop a research development kitchen here, that local producers could come in. And like I said earlier, you know, if you can get a group of producers together and they can hop out the ideas off of each other, that this place will become a hub of activity for food in the greater Ballyhower area. Well, it, I mean, it is a great facility that you have. You can see the potential just looking around. So thanks very much for having me today and we wish you all the best with it. Thank you, Sean. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break you heard me out and about visiting Ballyhoura Apple Farm which produces some amazing award-winning products. And earlier in the show Sid Sheehan who is a chef and nutritionist was talking about cancer-fighting foods and we got a preview of the April issue of Easy Food magazine. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the full show later in the week on the podcast, which is on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show or subscribe free of charge and download it on iTunes or use the podcast app. We're at the final part of tonight's show and it's with Kenmare foodie, Karen Coakley. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Hi, Karen. How are you this evening? Hi Sharon, I'm very good, how are you? I'm great, thank you. And although the weather is still not as we would like it to be and we're thinking about summer better days, you're going to cheer us all up tonight with a Spanish chicken. Tell us what that dish is. I am, I'm going to cheer you all up with the flavours of Spain. This is a wonderful little dish. It's like, again, you know, I'm very versatile, Sharon, as we know. It's one of those dishes that like you can do it as a family dinner with confirmations and communions and all of that looming. If you like double up or triple up the recipe, you've got a wonderful dish for your communion party or your confirmation party. And it's also good enough that if you've got friends around for dinner, because I'm big into that, like entertaining or the whole idea of it, you could serve it. So basically it's Spanish chicken. So what you need for that is a red onion, a clove of garlic, a tin of chopped tomatoes, 
chicken thighs or chicken fillets. Now, I use chicken fillets because personally we're not huge fans of chicken thighs like this. I like the chicken thigh when the chicken is roasted, but I'm not a fan of it casserole. But I know a lot of people are, so if you can use chicken thighs, it'll really cost the cost, cost, cost in this. A good quality chorizo. I use try to use gobine chorizo because there's a lovely smoky flavour off of that. But any of the good chorizos that you pick up, or there's um, um, Olivier on the wild side. He is sells at Dingle Farmers Market. He's kind of Castle Gregory side. He does lovely um, chorizos too. And he would be in the Limerick Milk Market regularly as well. Oh, perfect! So he's quite close there obviously yep absolutely so you have all your ingredients ready to go what sort of a dish do you use to make this i usually make this in like a big casserole dish and then what i try to do is i have little terracotta pots you know like the ones you see in spain and terracotta dishes so i'll serve it in that now there's also red and yellow pepper in it there's a glass of red wine and there's black olives at the end and you don't add you don't add olives into your dish until you have finished cooking because they can actually go quite sour tasting in the um, if you cook them sometimes or they can make the sauce go a bit bitter. So I add those in at the end. Okay, so tell us your process then. What do you start off doing? So you start off by well, I start off first of all by frying my onion and my garlic, and then I'll take that out and I'll put in the chicken and I'll brown that and I'll take that out and then I'll put in the chorizo because I like to kind of on its own get all the the juices to leach out of the chorizo into your oil because you're going to get loads and loads of flavour of that in, in that. The last time you were on, you had a recipe for a butter bean and courgette soup and yes. you were adamant about how long to fry the onion off for. Is it the same for this dish? No, that would, the soup, that would be kind of covered and sweating for about 10 minutes. With this, you can actually just, you know, fry it off until it's nice and golden. Okay. So make sure that you don't actually burn your garlic. Some people like to add garlic in at the end to stop it from burning. But on a medium heat, just, you know, toss your onion around and um, just basically fry it off. Same with the chicken. Have the, the pan nice and hot. So when you put the chi- chicken in, you season the chicken, put it in. You want a really good sizzle on the chicken because what that does is that feeds the chicken on the outside and keeps all the flavor inside. So then you take those out you put in your chorizo and stir that around. Don't let it burn. And just watch and get all the lovely, if it's a good quality chorizo, you should get a load of like your oil will turn red. And that'll be all the lovely flavor from the chorizo. So then put back in the chicken, the onion and the garlic. Add in your red peppers and yellow peppers, a good glass of white wine and a tin of chopped tomato and then a tablespoon of smoked paprika. Now, I'm always on about smoked paprika. Buy a really, really, really good smoked paprika because when you do, you'll see the difference in flavour between, you know, the good ones. I, I get mine in my local health food shop here. Any speciality store will have it. Um, and I get the hot ones. There's a nice kick off of it. So you cover that and you simmer it for about 10 minutes and then take the lid off, scatter over your black olives and a little bit of parsley and off you go. A tablespoon seems an awful lot of smoked paprika, but that's what you need to really get the flavour into it, is it? To get the flavour, yeah. And um, I love smoked paprika. And I would nearly always put a tablespoon in. What do you serve the dish with then whenever it's finished? You can serve it with rice if you like, but I serve it with potatoes bravas, which is just, it's delicious when you, yeah, because... So for potatoes bravas, I basically um, peel my potato, cut it into cubes, cube your potato. Now you can deep fry it if you're being, you know, really kind of relaxed about the whole thing. Or you can saute it in a frying pan. Sauteed potatoes are going to take about 40 minutes and you're going to have to turn them quite a bit and you're going to have to shake them up and watch them. 
season them with salt and pepper. So when they're golden all over, you want them golden on every side, take them off and put them into another terracotta dish. And then I make up a brava sauce where I, it's like a cheats recipe. So I make up um, mayonnaise into a bowl, maybe a clove of two of, of garlic, some ketchup, some Tabasco sauce for heat and some more of the hot smoked paprika. This is a dish that sounds like you could be making this outside in your pizza oven. And I, I think I saw recently that the pizza oven is back in action back for 2016. <laughs> That's so funny. It is, yeah, it's back in action. It's like everybody watches the pizza oven. No, the winter was so awful. And we got um, a good stay there recently. So we just said to hell with it. We had to, um, we had to light it. Now, it took two days to light it because it's very temperamental to the weather it's great in the summertime you put your wood in an hour and a half later you're ready to go but it's like it's a labor of love with the pizza oven it's like you know the way you hear people saying about your aga that you have to get to know your aga and you have to get to understand your aga we're the same with that we're at that stage where we do know it and when the weather is cold winter time it takes a day of having it lift beforehand to kind of raise the internal temperature and get all the dampness out after weeks of not being used and then the next day you can light it and you can we can make your pizzas. So we can look forward to lots of recipes using a pizza oven as well as yeah. the standard oven. Yeah, I did a beef stew actually because what I did was I cooked the pizzas um, one day and then the following day I did a beef red wine and tomato stew with rosemary, which was delicious. And uh, cooked that for about 24 hours in the oven, really low, low heat. And I dried some tomatoes, which I now have in olive oil for you. Okay, fantastic. So that is Spanish Chicken. It's on the Kenmare Foodies Facebook page. So people can go on and get all the details there. And Karen, thanks for sharing that with us this evening. Thank you, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. That brings us to the end of tonight's show, sadly, which will be on the podcast later in the week, soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show or subscribe to it free of charge on iTunes or use the podcast app. Thanks so much for your company and to all of this evening's guests, Sid Sheehan, Caroline Gray, Morris Gilbert and Karen Coakley. Until next week, which is a second helping show, as there is an extra Tuesday in the month, have a great Easter. Enjoy the Galway Food Festival if you're going in that direction. And as always, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!